0: I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains, even when I call out or cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked, like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me, and he left me without help. He drew his bow, And made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say. Splendour is gone, and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord.
1: Amen. Let me just read uh, two of those verses again. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, but his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, thank you for those wonderful truths. We worship you for them. And we pray together that as I speak, by your Holy Spirit, you'd reveal your love, your compassion, your faithfulness afresh to us today. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Tim. And it's great to see you here today. Let me add my welcome. Um, And I want to ask you this, if you were to finish this sentence, what would you say? If someone were, or this phrase, if someone were to say to you, God is dot, 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 what would you say? God is, what might you say? Thank you for your answers. I'm not going to show, I'm going to be able to hear all of them. I'm sure they're great answers. Um, What we're going to do as we go through this passage in Lamentations is try and answer that kind of question. Last week we considered what does sin mean, what is sin like? But this week, we're going to ask the question, what is God like? What does God's word show us that he is like? Uh, But the wonders of modern technology mean that we don't just have to turn to the Bible now for these questions. We can actually now ask a computer program to answer the question. Um, I wonder if you have come across the program ChatGPT. ChatGPT, you might have seen it in the news maybe. It's sort of been out for a few months, but it's sort of making waves recently. It is a computer program. It's a bit of AI that it's a so-called chatbot, and what you can do is you can put your questions in, and you can actually even sort of converse with it. And it's a bit like Google in the sense that you can ask it for information, but it doesn't just give you like a list of here's some sources to look at. It actually speaks to you in full paragraphs, and you can even come back to it. So um, people are writing cover letters for jobs with this. Uh, people are getting it to do their homework. This is right on the, interesting, the frontier of schoolwork and also university work and people plagiarising. Apparently, ChatGPT has also passed a bar exam in America. So um, what I thought I would do, because I'm interested in tech, is I would ask it the question I'm asking this week. So I asked ChatGPT, what is God like? Explain using the Christian Bible. Now, okay, I'm not expecting necessarily to be able to read that whole page, but I just want you to see that it gave me quite a long answer. A computer program write this, okay? So what is God like? A computer program told me that God is love, God is holy, God is merciful and compassionate, God is omnipotent and omniscient, and finally, God is faithful. It's pretty good, isn't it? Um, I won't read all the descriptions. If we can just have that slide again. Let me just read uh, the final paragraph for you. Overall, the Christian Bible presents God as a loving, holy, merciful and powerful creator who desires for all people to come to know him and live in relationship with him. It's pretty good, isn't it? By understanding his character and nature, we can develop a deeper relationship with him and grow in our faith and understanding of his ways. Bear in mind, a computer program wrote that and it slightly freaked me out because there is a computer program talking about we and us Developing our relationship with God. And I thought, is the computer program talking about us or its sort of an army of computer robots that it's building that are going to take over the world? Um, but the, the, the sort of reason this really stood out to me was I was thinking, that's what this sermon's about. God is loving, He is faithful, He is kind, He is merciful and compassionate. And as we grow to understand those things, we will grow in our relationship with Him. And that's exactly what the computer program said. So that's probably the end of this sermon. Um, That sums it up. Should we get the band back up? Should we pray? No, no, no. We're here for an hour. Um, Let's keep going. Um, God isn't simply uh, a historical figure to be Googled. God isn't just someone to, you know, find his Twitter page. What's the things he said recently? He's certainly not someone just to look up on Wikipedia. He is a loving father and he's revealed himself in his son And he's spoken to us about what he is like in his word. And it's his word that we need to turn to and not a computer program to find out what he's like. Uh, So let's do that together as we go through uh, this chapter three of Lamentations. And as we read Lamentations, as we did last week, we must remember that the context of it is the story of the, the exile of the people of Israel. So the people of God have been taken from their homeland, and tragically, they had been invaded by an incoming force, the Babylonians. As Felix reminded us last week, when you read a passage like this, it is a lament because it is a tragic situation. And as you go throughout the book, it's like an eyewitness testimony of what's happened. And just the terrible scenes that i can sure you would imagine would accompany um, someone being invaded. But as we summarise our chapter, I want you to see two things about the way that the person who's writing this responds to the tragedy. Now, it's thought that the person who's wrote Lamentations traditionally is the prophet Jeremiah. So I'm gonna talk about the way that Jeremiah responds to this. And Jeremiah has two responses to this invading, uh, horrible situation. He's got two things. We see his broken heart, but also we see his unbroken hope. So we see his broken heart and his unbroken hope Um, Maybe you picked up on that just from the tone of the uh, dramatic reading that we had. His heart is broken over this judgment. His heart is broken over the judgment of God. But also as we get to those wonderful wonderful verses towards the end, he's got such an unbroken hope in the goodness of God. Um, But let's just go through those verses and just understand that. Jeremiah's heart is broken. Let's just read from verse 1 again. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. In other words, I've witnessed the suffering that the Lord has permitted through the Babylonian army. And then he describes the pain inflicted and what God's brought about. So let's read from verse three. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. And these verses go on and 12 times Jeremiah says he has done this. This is what God has done. And this, it's like his experience of suffering under God's hand is like a vicarious suffering. So as he describes what God has done to him, God has done this to me. It's like he's sort of speaking about what God has done to the people. And um, it's almost like a poetic telling of the invasion because this is actually in the form of a poem. And as he talks about what God has done unto him, you know, he has besieged me and surrounded me. He's made me dwell in darkness. He's poetically conveying what an army has done to the people. And all this suffering, it just it breaks his heart look at verse 13 he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver so god's judgment of his people pierces the heart of his prophet jeremiah he has a broken heart over the judgment of god and we need to remember here when we read these verses and this story in lamentations um, we need to remember the context of god's covenant relationship with the israelites I'm sure for many of you, I'll be reminding of few of this, but let me just, let's just go over it. Through the first five books of the Bible, we see the promise that the Lord makes to Abraham and then his descendants. And he says, I am going to bless you. Maybe like me, you've been doing your sort of Bible plan for the year. I've been doing this, going through Genesis recently, reading about Abraham and his uh, descendants. And God says, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna make you a great nation. Your peoples are gonna be numerous and vast." And then as that, as that happens, eventually um, as the Israelites come out of slavery, there is the giving of the law. And the Lord says to his people, here's how I'm calling you to live in, in light of our relationship. Here's how to keep the covenant. I'm gonna keep my side of it and I'm gonna give you the law uh, to keep your side. Most famously, the law includes the 10 commandments, the 10 ways that God's calling them to live. But also there's hundreds of other laws, moral laws, ceremonial laws, civil laws, and the Lord has said to them, If you keep my commands, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm going to bless you so much. It's like you don't even have the capacity to understand just how much I'm going to bless you. But on the other hand, if you're unfaithful, eventually I'm going to judge you. Eventually, you won't just see my mercy and my kindness, but you might even see my wrath. So that's what we read when we read in Lamentations. As this invading army has come, even though God has continually come back to his people through his prophets and said, if only you'll return, if only you'll come back, we see finally the Lord's judgment brought on them. And that is why it breaks the heart of Jeremiah. That's why it breaks his heart. But that isn't the only way he responds. That isn't the only testimony he has. He doesn't just have a broken heart. We see this. Let's read from verse 22. I love these words. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, but his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So despite everything that's happened, despite all the suffering, despite all the the way that the prophet can see, this is what God has allowed and permitted to us Despite his broken heart, he has an unbroken hope in God's goodness. Now, one of the things I like doing uh, in church and have done for quite a while now is lead uh, sung worship. And I remember doing that when I was first at university. And you should have heard me when I first started singing. I sounded like a little sheep or something with the way my voice sort of bleated. Um, but I love leading worship and there's a little uh, song based around these words. You might have heard it. I won't sing it for you because I'll get mocked by the staff team. But the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Maybe you've heard it. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And the reason it might sound worshipful and the reason it translates into a worship song is because it's thought that this is written as to be used in public worship. This is like a worship song. Jeremiah worships God and he says, this is what the Lord is like. He has an unbroken hope in God's goodness. Why? Because of the Lord's great love, he says, we're not consumed because his compassions or another translation will be his mercies. They never fail. They are new every morning. And I wonder where the Lord might want to speak that into your life today. My mercies, to you, my mercies to you are new today. For any sin that you've done or has been committed against you, I have compassion for you. And it's not like I used it all up yesterday. I used to all my source of mercy and compassion. I've got a fresh store of mercy and goodness for you today. And we just, we just have to have this understanding of God. We have to be able to understand it. We have to be able to take it in no matter what life throws at us. Even though our heart, as we talk about the judgment of God, even though our heart might be broken, we've just got to be able to have and hold on to this unbroken hope in the goodness of the Lord. And we need to see God for who he is. And trust me, we need to not turn to computer programs uh, like ChatGPT. We need to come back to his word and say, Lord, what do you like? Reveal yourself to me afresh. But I wonder if sometimes As we understand who the Lord is, as he has revealed himself, we might find a challenge of holding various things together, especially with verses like this. Let's read verses one and 22 again. So verse one, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. And then verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. And do you see here that Jeremiah has no trouble, on one hand, describing and holding together the Lord's great love, but also his wrath. He's got no trouble writing about them. He's saying, this is what the Lord has done, as we've seen his wrath, but also we've seen his great love. And let's just think about that question that I asked you right at the beginning. If you were to finish the phrase, God is, dot, 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 how would you finish it? And I wonder if perhaps the most common way it gets answered at the moment is this. God is love. God is love. And that is true, amen? Amen, God is love, of course. Hallelujah, you know, come on, God's love, that's so good. But there is a danger that we make his unconditional love his sole characteristic. And the only way we understand him is his love at an exclusion to everything else that his word reveals about himself. Now, as we talk about here, Lamentations, this verse one of chapter three, we can't say that God is wrath in the same way that we can say God is love, but we can see the way he responds to sin. And we have to hold those things together. Because the other great danger is, as well as making you know, God to be love at the exclusion of everything else that his word reveals about himself, is what we might do is take the world's definition of love and then project that onto God. We take the world's definition of love when we say God is love and we're projecting that onto him. And what we're really doing when we say that is I've got my own definition of love and I'm only going to accept a God who loves on my terms. And when this happens we don't have a revelation of God on his terms as he has shown himself to be. Instead the danger is we actually make an idol that leaves no room for passages like this in Lamentations. What do you mean God is bringing judgment through the Babylonians? I thought God was love. How could a loving God judge sin? I thought God was love. How could a loving God do dot, dot, dot? But we have told together, just as Lamentation says, just as this prophet does, the holiness of God and his love and see that they're not in opposition to one another. They're just a full revelation of who he is. Because if we don't, we certainly won't know what to do with passages like this from Lamentations. We certainly won't know what to do with the doctrine of hell. And even as I mention that, the H word, I won't need to tell you, I'm sure, that God's judgment is a painful thing, God judging sin. It does and it should break our hearts, just like it breaks Jeremiah's heart. And the pain of it is so great that we, we might want to do away with it. And it was as I was preparing this sermon, I got to this point, I was just reading it through and I thought, gosh, this is very heavy, isn't it? Tim, what are you going to do to lighten the mood? Because um, uh, the, sometimes the, the reason we want to think about God's love and not say how in love he judges sin is not because we want to, you know, put our own definition of love onto God and not because we're making an idol, but just because it is hard to contemplate, just because it is heavy to bear, even if we accept it to be true and we know that it's right, it can break our hearts. It's challenging and it's heavy. But let's just remind ourselves, when we throw away God's judgment, actually what we're doing is we're undermining, we're emptying his love, especially as we see it in the gospel especially as God has revealed himself on the cross. You see, go with me here. Jesus said verse one so that we can say verse 22. Jesus said verse one so that we can say verse 22. Let me explain. Verse one, on the cross, Jesus said, if you like, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath so that we can say verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Jesus said verse one so that we can say verse 22. Let me say it again. Jesus said, I'm the one who's seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath so that in God's amazing mercy and love, we can say because of God's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jesus received wrath so that we can receive mercy. Jesus was consumed so that we can receive compassion. He was punished for our sins. And that is right at the heart of the gospel. And it is right of, it is just that expresses the beauty of the love of God towards us. That is what God is like. God is dot, dot, dot. God is the God who came for us in Jesus Christ and who, because of his mercy, we don't receive affliction And let me tell you, that that understanding needs to shape how we see God, but also it needs to shape how we see our lives as well. Even if our heart is broken over his judgment, this unbroken hope in the goodness of God needs to shape how we see him and also what happens to us. Because won't there be some times when it feels like life is beating you up? Maybe even feeling like God's beating you up. I mean, I've had quite a week this week. I don't feel like I'm beaten up, but there's a massive hole in my downstairs neighbor's ceiling from where a leak in my bathroom has gone through the ceiling. and you know, So I had to go down and meet them, see that. There's stuff going on, you know, my family and applying for jobs at the moment. There's a lot going on in my mind. I don't know what's happening in your life at the moment. Probably something much worse than a hole in your neighbor's ceiling. But when we approach things like that, whatever happens to us, what do we hold on to? What shapes the way we approach our lives? And we should say, let's just be really clear about this. We can't draw a straight line between our sin and our suffering. We can't say, well, I've sinned, and therefore I'm suffering. You see, the Israelites were under the old covenant. They were under the law. And God says, I'm gonna bless you if you're faithful and actually eventually I'll curse you if you're unfaithful. But we are now not under the law, but we're under grace. Jesus has taken the curse for us. But despite that, Jesus said, in this life you're gonna have many troubles and sometimes life will be challenging. Even, there'll even be suffering. But when that happens, how are we to respond? Well, I just want you to see the response here in verse 17 and 18. 18. Read with me. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. My splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. He says, all that I'd hoped for from God, and I think he's talking about like the circumstances of my life that I had hoped for, that I'd hoped for my people, that's all gone. All the splendor and glory of our nation that has been building up, that has been brought down All that I'd hoped for is gone, he says. And sometimes that's how life will feel like. It could be in a relationship. It could be something that's happening for our children. All that we'd hoped for for them, that seems to be gone. Where's that gone? It could be our health. But despite the absolute lack of hopeful circumstances, he says this. Let's just read it again, because it's so good. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. In other words, he's saying, even though all the circumstances I have, they're not hopeful, as I call to mind the goodness, the faithfulness, the mercy, the character, the great nature of God, that gives me hope. My hope is in God. And therefore, he says, I call it to mind. And he says in verse 18, so I say, it's it's just like he's speaking to myself. It's like he's saying, I remind myself of the wonderful character of God. Do you remember in the Psalms when the psalmist says, praise the Lord, O my soul? Who's the psalmist speaking to there? Himself or herself. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And there's this great thing we need to do as Christians sometimes, we should just remind ourselves, speak to ourselves about who God is. Just as Jeremiah does here. I say to myself, even if I've got no hope in my life, my hope is in what God is like And as I see what God is like, I can have hope. Look at verse 24. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. And then the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Let that encourage you this morning. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Our hope isn't rooted in our circumstances it is rooted in the character of God and we need to have therefore this full picture of God in all his holiness and his love and we need this so that we can understand the power of the cross but also we need it so that when life is challenging or when life is good even when we suffer we can call to mind what God's true nature is really like and then we can truly say to ourselves this is what God is like and I will take comfort in that. Even if my heart is broken, I will have an unbroken hope in his goodness because the Lord is good and he is good to those whose hope is in him. So what is God like? Well, that is what God is like. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.